Hi, I'm Randy Kleiner. And I'm Kaylee Smith-Westbrook. As the co-founders of SeriesFest, we welcome you to Breaking In, a SeriesFest podcast. In 2015, SeriesFest began its mission to champion and empower artists at the forefront of episodic storytelling by providing year-round opportunities for creators and industry experts to connect, collaborate, and share stories. We are thrilled to expand our mission with this podcast as we talk to working professionals in television and gain insight, advice, and hear their journey of breaking in. Today, I'm speaking with writer, director, editor, and producer, Sarah Adina Smith. Sarah has helmed multiple feature films, including Buster's Mallheart, which gave Academy Award winner Rami Malek his first lead role in a feature. Sarah has also directed pilots and episodes of television for Amazon, Hulu, HBO, and FX. Currently, she's in post-production on a feature from a script she wrote called Birds of Paradise for Amazon Studios. And alongside her producing partner, Jonica Donnelly, she's developing several TV concepts through their first look deal with Amazon under their banner, Everything is Everything. Sarah joined Series Fest back in 2018 when we hosted the panel, Film and TV Behind the Lens, at the Denver Film Festival. Hi, Kaylee. How are you? Um, I'm good. I'm so honored to be doing this with you. Well, I'm so excited you're doing this. I know you have a very busy schedule. You're wrapping a movie right now. You're about to go film another one. And I uh, said, are you available? And you said like next weekend or this weekend. I was like, let's do it before you run off for a couple months. So thank you. It's really good timing, actually. Um, This is like my last kind of peaceful weekend. And then I'm and then I'm gone for a bit. But um, yeah, happy to do it. And I, I mean, I think Series Fest has been such a huge exciting thing for the community of um, creators. And so it's awesome you guys are doing a podcast. Thank you. I know you've had such an incredible journey. I'm I'm lucky enough to have known you since we were born. I know. And, it, and we have the weird thing of being the two Jewish kids with the last name Smith, yes. which is pretty rare, from Fort Collins, Colorado. Which is very rare. And I feel like there weren't that many Jews in Fort Collins to begin no. with. So. And it's weird that we're not related, actually, given all those coincidences. But it, it's funny because um, I feel like I have all these like childhood memories with you. And then I moved to Denver, so I didn't see you for many years. And then I just like all of a sudden got to know you as an adult um, right after college. But you originally, I feel like when you started and got into the industry, you originally wanted to be an actor first, I feel like when we connect, connected and then, yeah. and then what made you get into like writing and, and directing and editing? I think, well, I, to be really honest, I think the only, I wanted to be an actor cause I just had no idea there were other jobs in movies mm. and it's just like yeah. a kid from suburban Colorado. I just, that's what I saw. And so I had mm-hmm. no idea there was a whole industry behind it. And you know, I kind of look back on it, and I also think, like, as a young girl, I was probably looking for images of women of influence and mm-hmm. in powerful positions. And I, I remember feeling like, oh, well, Julia Roberts is the most powerful person in the world, so right. I should yeah. try and do that. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> kind of, you know, a weird way about it. And, um, yeah, uh, and then I guess as I started trying it, I just find myself – I found myself really connecting with the crew and wanting to and other directors and sort of wanting to know more about the other side of the camera and then the moment I got a taste of that I kind of never looked back and it's probably a good thing because I don't I don't think I'm a very good actor so it all worked out (laughs) I bet that's not true (laughs) I mean 
I don't know. We don't. I, 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 I'm too. I'm too nervous to um, ruin anyone else's project or my own by by trying it got out it. again. Got yeah. it. Yeah, you've never like given yourself a cameo on any of your movies, huh? I don't think so. I, I had contemplated this would take commitment, but I do think it would be brilliant if I could commit to it. Wanting to be in like the background of all my friends' movies who would have me just as a background artist. But I yeah. wanted to eat one single sandwich and take one bite like each movie so that if you like <laughs> cut together the reel of my background cameos like the sandwich would disappear like a flip book um, that kind of sounds like a tiktok or something if i understand tiktoks correctly which i probably don't because i yeah. don't do them but it would be like a very it would be a time consuming right yes art project but the payoff would be potentially worth it yeah the sandwich eater it would be <laughs> a short <laughs> film <laughs> A, sh- a short film by Sarah Dina Smith. Yeah. Well, you well, start. What about well, you, you. I mean, you're you've been transitioning to. You yeah. Mean, you're obviously a, a writer, producer, director, um, and you came to that transition a bit later. Yeah. I mean, we've spoken about in the, in the origin story of how Series Fest was founded. Um, that I had created Marry Me, uh, which was a web series back in 2008, which is when we reconnected. Because I think uh, the first time we sat down together, I was like, I think I have this idea. And I hadn't I hadn't really thought about a career as a writer. When you first started out, I just remember you working all the time. Like you never took a moment off. Like every time I spoke to you, you were editing for someone. You were writing a new short. If that short didn't work, you were writing another feature. If that feature didn't work, you were doing something else. And it's really just so inspirational. And I look at your career now and I'm just like, oh my God, like it's really, it's really incredible. Um, And I, as I was like preparing and thinking about our conversation today, I was kind of like, I wonder if Sarah can actually see it. Like, I wonder if you, like, since you're so in it, um, you know, you're, you're making a movie for Amazon studios and, you know, you've done pilots for Hulu and, and Amazon. Like these are huge. These are things that like most people wish they could say. And you're just, you're just doing it. How does that feel? I did have a moment. It was actually yesterday. I mean, most honestly, most of the time, thank you, Kaylee. That was really kind. Yeah. Um, No, of course. I mean, most of the time I am, um, I am, you know, a true workaholic. So most of the time I'm just Mm. so busy that I don't know if I stop for moments of reflection, but every once in a while, I'm like, I remember yesterday I've had this feeling. I was like, I had to drive across town to do a VFX review, um, at a shop called Lola in Beverly Hills. Um, and just like had a moment of like, Oh, right. Like I'm a director. Like, this is really, <laughs> like, I, I, like, I don't know. I felt like such a big shot. It's such a stupid little thing to do, but I'm like, oh, you know, I'm just going down to Beverly Hills from a VFX review. And it just sounded very like a director thing, like a director thing to be doing that day. Um, so every once in a while, I kind of zoom out and it, it, and it's, and I smile and it's fun to think about that. But honestly, I'm, I'm just so m- mostly entrenched in the details of the thing itself. Mm. And that's kind of what I get off on anyway, is the, the making of the thing. So, um, and then, you know, and then you mix that with the white hot anxiety of, because you care so much for these things. So it's like, um, you're just constantly kind of, I don't know. I, 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 I kind of like feel like I'm tending this garden with a lot of different things growing at different stages. Mm -hmm. And so, um, because you care, like, I, I think I, maybe to my detriment, sometimes spend so much time worried about like, well, this thing over here, or this thing over there, that it's sometimes hard to take it slow and appreciate. But that's actually, it's a good 
transition to talking about kind of where I'm at right now. And, and that's what I want to work on actually is, um, being more patient of having more gratitude of having more fun, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the, the movie I'm going to go shoot in May was really designed with that in mind. I sort of like created a, um, a, a process and a circumstance around this movie that like, um, is, to, to allow myself to just remember what it's like to play again and, and slow down a little bit. Um, so looking forward to that. And I, I think really, I, I, I will admit that like going forward at full steam, the way I have been, um, really, uh, for, I don't know, how old are we now for a lot of years? <laughs> um, but it's like not sustainable, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm honestly headed towards a burnout. So I think I have to kind of sh- shift. Um, and, and partly I think, you know, the, the impetus behind doing so much all the time is because there's a, there's, um, career insecurity of not knowing what's going to go and not knowing there's so much uncertainty as everybody knows in, in this business. So, you know, I might be developing eight projects at different stages, not knowing what's actually going to get greenlit or not. And so you kind of, sometimes I end up feeling like I'm, um, like I just, I don't know, what, what, what am I trying to say? I think I just want to work smarter as I get older, right. not, har- not harder. You yeah. know, I want to get better at that, I think. You have so much of your career still ahead of you. Like this, I think, you know, you're going to look back and this is like a little blip in like your IMDb profile, you know? Mm. Yeah. And I think, I think I'm, you know, I'm still at the moment in my career where I feel like I've come so far, but I, I mean, this is the trick with this business, right? There, you always feel like there's another level you're supposed to kind of get to, mm-hmm. but I do, right. I do feel like there's like kind of, if I can just get sort of one more level of sort of security, then I can, well, I don't know. See, it's, it's an illusion. It's, it's an illusion. It feels like it's, it's a mirage. I, you know, I should probably stop thinking that way. No, but I'm, I'm curious, like, what is that illusion to you is is it the emmy is it no, like a not, it's, it's not award so much i think it's you know i still am um hoping i'm i'm so proud of the movies i've made but um they're still pretty art house and niche you know so i guess mm-hmm. maybe the next level is just like um ha- growing an audience a bit more mm. Right. And I think the stuff, TV has been such a great platform because so many people see it. I mean, so many more people have seen the work I've done in TV than in film. So, um, yeah, I think I just maybe feeling like I have a wider reach perhaps with my film work would be right. the next level in my mind. Yeah. How is it jumping back and forth from film and television the way you have? Because I, w- I would think that you must be prep very differently for the two of them. And I'm curious what that, what that process is versus, you know, you're going to make a feature versus you're going to work on Hannah and maybe the pilot is a little different because it's, you know, you're working on the first episode, but how different is that prep for someone who's maybe, you know, some of our creators who's done, have done a feature or they've done an independent pilot, um, but now they're looking to really go and direct their first television episode, like how different is the prep? How do you approach it? Well, TV is um, um, very different depending on whether you're doing an episode or a pilot and sort of how 
because the the kind of the hierarchy of um, creative control on TV is a little bit different. So um, uh, if you are coming in to do an episode in someone else's show, you're more of a guest artist. And so mm-hmm. prep definitely looks um, different because um, oftentimes they've hired, I mean, most of the time, they've hired all the crew there's some cases maybe an episodic TV if it's a, um, if it's an anthology that's very different because then it's more like you're making your sort of short film or your episode self-contained, but for the most part you're jumping on an already moving train. So in prep in that case you would cast any characters that don't that are new that haven't occurred before and are being introduced in your episode or maybe are just um, making an appearance just in your episode. You'd be involved in the casting in that. Um, uh, you'd be involved in any location scouting that's new again, that hasn't been established, but again, because you're only doing that episode, um, the showrunner or creator are going to have rightfully very strong opinions because that might be a location. Let's say you pick that location and it works for your episode, but it might not work for four episodes down the line. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's, you know, very collaborative and I think you have to be, I think a, an episodic TV director is there to um, give a fresh perspective and new ideas and shake it up and keep, um, you know, bring new passion to the storytelling. But you have to be a bit more deferential when it comes to the overall vision, because at the end of the day, it's not really your show. Hmm. And, and, it, and that, and I think I would guess it's, you know, really different for actors too, depending every show is a little bit different, but certainly I mean, I've never really done an episode of something that was on for like, you know, you're on the eighth season or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, but I imagine in those cases, those actors, know, they know their characters so well and so much better than you as a director are ever going to know them. So, yeah, in that case, um, you know, you're there to make sure you're getting the most important beats of the scene, the turning point that the cinema and the way it's shot is supporting the performances um, and yeah, you're there, you're there to like bring new ideas and get it in the can as a episodic director. And then right. as a pilot director, um, and again, this can vary depending on how, uh, you know, there's some, um, sometimes as a pilot director, you're just kind of coming on to like bring the world together, get the train running and, and go forward. And sometimes you're producing director in that case, you're, um, you know, really thinking about the overall, um, look and shape of the series, um, and so, yeah, with Hannah, I was involved day one, like, you know, every location, every casting, every hiring decision, and just kind of, um, building up the whole world of the show. And, um, in that case, it really did feel much more like a film, much more sort of like, uh, my baby type of project versus being, you know, like the kind of guest artist thing. And then there, but there's like in between stuff too, like, um, on looking for Alaska that I did for Hulu, Mm -hmm. that was such a fun project and, um, was very, I was very passionate about it, but Josh and Stephanie were such seasoned showrunners. I think they had made between them like 11 shows on TV. So I sort of knew going in that like, it wasn't going to be It was part of, honestly, why I also took the job, just in terms of the timing um, of where I was at work-wise. It made sense to, like, I wasn't, I didn't have the bandwidth for, like, a full, like, more like Hannah experience where it's going to be, like, my show that I'm building from the ground up. And it's so much heart and ownership over every little decision on looking for Alaska. It was sort of more, a little bit more in the middle um, where it was, like, I'm a 
pilot director, I'm going to set these, um, for me, the most important thing for me on looking for Alaska and really why I wanted to take the job was setting the cast up for success. So I put so much of my energy in, um, the young cast, I, you know, obviously was involved in all the casting decisions too, but then really making sure that they formed deep relationships with each other. Hmm. Um, and develop um, a real intimate kind of language of the show and trust and stuff so that moving forward throughout that um, series, they would... um, Because I wanted to make sure that when I left, no matter what director would come on, that they would, like, really be there for each other, and I knew that would support the performances all the way through. Um, Yeah. But in um, Looking for Alaska, like... um, You know, Josh and Stephanie had their production designer and DP that they worked with, and were so gracious to be like, meet with them and, you know, make sure you approve. But I also sort of knew like they've got their, they've they've got the amazing empire machine. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I obviously, um, did as much as I could to sort of, um, establish the look of the show. And that was very important too. But again, it was like, I think for me, a chance to work with, um, a lot of young actors and to just kind of focus on getting to be a an actor's director, which was really fun. And that's also how you found one of the actresses for that's right. your latest film, right? Is yeah, that how you... Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That is how I ended up um, making Birds of Paradise, which I'm just now, knock on wood, 48 hours away from uh, picture locking in the edit. Yay, which, congratulations. I, I can't wait to see it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, Christine Froseth is such a, um incredibly talented special human and Mm. I it was so fulfilling for me to get to see her learn to trust herself on looking for Alaska and really open up and grow as an actor and I just wanted to take that journey to the next step and I thought it would be so cool to write a part for her to star in in Birds of Paradise so um it's been it's been really um like just really deeply gratifying to to watch her find her stride. Did you know her before looking for Alaska or you just literally found her through auditions? No, um, no. And actually in, um, Christine and Charlie on looking for Alaska were found by Josh and Stephanie, um, before I came on that, that project, um, not to get too into the weeds a bit, but I think that project was like 10 years in the making and they had it first. It was going to be a feature film and then a show and then a film. And then it was based on a book, right? Yes. It's based on on a a John Green novel. Yeah. A very much beloved book. But so I think that the, they had been – anyway, they I, they have may have found them – it may have been one of the previous iterations when it was going to be a film that they were found that then that didn't happen and then ended up going back to them once it went to Hulu. Got it. Yeah. Well, I feel like you um, have an amazing eye for talent. I feel like one of the things of all your films, even back to like the Midnight Swim, all three of those actresses were just so unique and special – and then, you know, you cast Rami Malek um, in Buster's Mall Heart. And the next thing you know, he's, you know, cast and winning an Oscar in his next movie. So is there I something? I mean, I can't take credit for other people's <laughs> amazing success like that. I mean, you know, that's all that's all Rami. But um, but I don't know. I, I, I would chalk that up a little bit to um, gifts from the universe, really, mm. or just, you know right place, right time, I suppose. But I, I, it was funny when we went to cast Rami or offer Rami the role, I should say for Buster in my mind, I was like, Oh, he's so talented, but this is perfect because nobody knows who he is. So we'll have, we were a tiny, tiny indie film, you know? So, um, 
it's really hard as as you well know to get the attention of any like name actor for your you know and I was a nobody so um I was like well he'll be this is perfect because he's so talented but he's not so well known I bet we could get him to read the script and the day I'll never forget this the day we send the offer out I'm feeling so proud about this idea um and then I like pulled to a stoplight and the bus next to me had a um advertisement for Mr. Robot with his face on it and I was like you have got to be kidding me the timing was just too funny where I was like really he already blew up when did that happen and Mr. Robot hadn't come out yet but they had started their advertising campaign and I and I remember being like well now I'm never gonna get him to read it and so I was just I was really anyway no it was a sign from the universe again it was it was but just lucky that um we were able to get him in our movie before Mr. Robot premiered because did it premiere it may have premiered when we were shooting actually I can't remember, it did but because, he got very well, big very fast as we were shooting. So Series Fest Season 1, we did um, one of the first screenings before it had premiered of Mr. Robot. Rami didn't come out, but some of the other cast did, like Carly Chaikin and um, Sam Esmail came out. And that was the year that you went and shot Buster. So that was the, the same year, because that's when I shot People You May Know. We started filming the same oh. week. Wow. Yeah, it was really strange that we started filming. It was like October 26th or something, and we were both that sounds like about right. yeah. leaving at the same time. I love that. So, yeah. So, back to like, I want to circle back to the actor question because I know you're saying it's a gift from the universe, but you have to see things in uh, you're behind the table so much casting now for television and film. Are there things that you see actors do that sabotage themselves, that don't work? Mm-hmm. What What is it that you really see that all of a sudden for you makes you remember someone, even if you're not going to give them that yeah. role? That's such a good question because I, I will say there have been a handful of times where someone does an amazing audition and even though they're not, they might not be right for that particular role, I do remember them and I cast them later down the line. So mm. one thing I should say is just actors should know that like there's no such thing as like a wasted audition. And um, I think the people who do the best, instead of treating it like a will you hire me job interview, um, treat it like a chance to practice their craft mm. and just go in there already being like already having the job essentially. Mm-hmm. And then, and, and at the same time, and this is the really hard paradox actors have to keep in their hearts is like, you have to fall in love with and, and, um, become that character and feel like you already have the job and then simultaneously, um, have no attachment to the results of whether right. or not you actually do. And like, that has to be genuine because I think, so, I think that it's really hard. I mean, it's not always the case, but sometimes the more that you want something, it's harder to get it so it's almost you have to like you have to kind of both play it cool and be really committed at the same time I think to the craft itself yeah that's that's so true it's definitely hard and it's interesting because one of my um mentors and and acting teachers that I studied with for a very long time Diana Castle she always talks about that she always says you're going in for an opportunity And you're not going to book the job. You're going in an opportunity to play and do what you love. And you're not there, you know, to get the casting directors or whoever to like you. 
Um, and it's so hard to, and like, as an actor, you read something and you fall in love with it and you put your whole heart into it and you go and you like nail it and feel great about it. And then it's like crickets. Yeah. And I think so. it's really important to just to remember that it's nine times out of 10, not about you and not even about yeah. how you did. It's just about, and that's what makes the job, the career part of acting so incredibly hard is that it just is so much more about what the story needs and what, um, like the way I look at it is we're, we're, we're casting to serve the film or TV project. And how do I put this? Sometimes not even the best actor necessarily gets the role. It's the one who's both really, really, really good and really, really right for the part. Yeah. And that part is out of your control as an actor. Yeah. That's what's so totally. awful. Yeah. That's, it's hard. Um, and I think, you know, as we were talking about me transitioning into writing and directing more, I like to feel like I'm more in control there, but in lots of ways, again, like you're not in control either, um, in so many ways. Um, and I'm curious how you've, you've talked about patience earlier in the conversation. And I'm curious how you've dealt with that. Like, I know you've written tons of scripts that have gone out to people and you're sitting and waiting for it. You're waiting for someone to, you know, watch a cut. What, what is it that keeps you calm, keeps you positive, keeps you centered as you're in this process of patience and waiting? Hmm. At this point, I am so used to, I am so used to things taking a long time. Like everything mm -hmm. just does. And, and, um, so that, that part doesn't really kind of like bother me anymore. Um, also, um, like it's always a big ask for someone to read something like to watch a rough cut or to read something you've written in a rough stage or even, even in a final stage, like people are really busy and it's really hard to find the time. So like, I think you do, yeah. you do have to be patient. I think the thing that still causes me, like the thing I, it's really hard to be patient for is when I'm casting, actually, that part is hard because mm. you're like, you send an offer to an actor and you're like, God damn it. Could you just tell me yes or no? You know, please yeah. just read it. Um, and it's, it's just really hard to get people to read scripts. And I found mm, the best successes I've had in casting. Um, and I'm talking about, you know, sort of more name actors, um, would be when you can get a friend of a friend to put in a good word or somebody outside uh, the agents and reps will hate hearing this, but it's true. Like it's usually through other people that the you know that help them get motivated to read. Unless sometimes an agent or a rep can like go, a manager can really go to bat for a project and that will help for sure. But um, oftentimes it's like they get, they have such a huge flood in their inbox of things um, to look at. So how does the thing kind of stick out from the pile of scripts they're supposed to read that weekend? And that's usually right. through a personal recommendation. Right. I don't know if that fully answered your question on patience. I mean, patience, we've talked about this before, Kaylee. I feel like patience is my big, uh, life to yeah. do. Like that's the thing yeah. I'm supposed to that's, learn. Yeah. Um, it's definitely mine. It's definitely mine and I'm not, I'm, I'm definitely not good at it, Yeah. but I feel like you're constantly doing even when like, I think I get stuck and I think like sometimes I'll finish a project and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to wait and I'm going to get feedback on it. Like, I feel like you're so good about just going to the next project. Yeah. That helps by the way. That's it. I mean, that's a trick. 
that's a yeah. that's a good trick that I think actually helps you be patient because it's so much harder to be patient if all of your hopes and dreams are in one it's thing. in one project. I'm curious though because I feel like you've written so many projects and some things have been made and some things haven't. When you get an idea, do you just go and write or do you sit with it for a while and like debate like how is this is this in line with my you know, career and my path? Is this how I want to be spending my time? Or do you just like kind of go with inspiration and you're just going to go do it no matter what? I usually kind of start doodling on it. Um, Mm. So just like really low pressure. I always start with like very low pressure writing. Mm. I'm I'm, um, in my office um, right now um, pinned on my wall or like a bunch of just like note cards of this like very primordial seed of a potential movie. And then mm-hmm. I think I like take, I mean, I don't know. It, it actually, it really depends. Cause I haven't, every project is a little different. Some I've like, just like, Oh, I know what it is. And I can write right away. And some take a lot more time. And like this one, I'm still a little bit like making sure that I'm, that it, I'm all the way in love with it. And actually I think that's kind of goes back to where I'm at with my career right now. And and it, when I said before I wanted to slow down, I think that maybe is the the wrong phrase. I think what I mean is just wanting to be really careful with my choices, I think, because mm-hmm. time is precious. And so, like, with this new one, I'm enjoying the no-pressure kind of doodling phase of the writing. But before I really sink a lot of work into it, I'm kind of letting it breathe and giving it some time. And that's where patience comes in rather than mm. like hopping into bed with it right away, you know? Right. <laughs> like yeah. I would have in my 20s. Now I'm like, yeah. let's just make sure <laughs> this commitment is real. <laughs> Which is the complete opposite of your relationship and marriage because it's you true. got married when you were like 22. I did. I was a child bride and we didn't date. And we just like went straight to... You just got married and you're, and you're still together, I which know. is it amazing. And I love exactly. that you guys still work together all the time, which was going to be another one of my questions. Yeah. But he's your cinematographer. He's your DP on all of your movies. I know. It's, it's, it is a, um, a real gift that, um, I get to work with the person I love most in the world because, mm. um, we get to see each other that way, but also because he's, I think he's such a brilliant artist and he's always so good at reminding me when I, am not fully being true to myself. He knows me so well that he can be a really mm. good check um, when I'm sort of veering off from, I think, my more true self, if you will. So it's just, I think, a real... And I have that... I really have that with my producing partner, Jonica Donnelly, too. I think I, that's the thing. The way I struck gold in this life was to find truly amazing people to get to share it with and share work with. Um mm. And it makes all the uncertainty about all the projects and all the, you know, patience and anxiety and waiting and everything else. Like it makes it all okay when um, you have people you love, you can laugh with about it and roll with the punches with and stick together as you move through your career. So I, and you know, I feel like that's my probably number one piece of advice to people who are starting out in their careers is to find your collaborators and find people Mm. you really trust who you speak the same language um, and kind of hold tight to each other. And it'll just make the entire path so much more 
rich and enjoyable. And, and honestly, this is so cheesy. It's becoming a, it's becoming a therapy session. We're like, but then you win either way, you win either way, whether, whether your projects are successful or not, you've already won. Cause then you've had a great time doing them and you've done it with people you love. How would you recommend to someone who maybe just moved to LA or doesn't really have a community, how to find those collaborators? Um, I mean, how did you and Jonico meet? We met in college and, um, I, I would think no matter where you are in the world, even if you might not be able to find, um, the person who's, you know, as passionately into film or TV projects as you, you may find, um, the thing about like making art projects is they inspire people and you may find Mm. energetic collaborators in other ways. I'm thinking of, this is so random. I don't, it popped into my head probably because we're both from Fort Collins and I'm thinking about it. There was this like really nice guy and I'm so embarrassed because now I can't remember his name, but he worked at a frame store in Fort Collins Hmm. and I was making paintings at the time and sometimes would go in to get it framed or I can't remember if maybe they sold canvases too. And, and I wanted to like make some sort of weird experimental, um, I guess it was a film project, but I didn't know enough about film at the time. It was like, you know, using my parents' VHS recorder and like camcorder and like doing a scene from like a bad play that I'd written, you know. But anyway, this really nice guy was like, I, for some reason, started chatting with him at the frame store and he was like, oh, cool. I, I'd help with that. And all of a sudden I've got a collaborator, yeah. you know, and, oh, and awesome. then all of a sudden we're, do you wait, do you remember the um, restaurant, the Silver Grill mm. in downtown Fort Collins? Mm, it was like the big no. breakfast spot. I think it's still there. Maybe. It's been, it's been so long know. since I've been, but, um, but they were so, ge- there's another collaborator. They're so generous. They like let us shoot in the restaurant at night overnight. Mm. So we like got a free location. And then I think my, like my friend, um, from history class was like, yeah, I'll come on and make this. So it's like, you, you kind of just like gather your, um, yeah. your team of people. The thing about all of this is that, like, it's supposed to be fun and creative. And so when you're just starting off, I think you, you can find people who are willing to go and do those experiments with you. And then, and then, um, if you do enough of those, chances are one of those people will stick around. And then all of a sudden you've got someone who's like your potentially your true collaborator in person. Do you feel like you have that? Um, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like I have had that. I had it with David, who was my writing partner when we wrote Marry Me for a while. I feel like I had it with Sherwin Shalotti and Shelley Stevens, um, who I did People You May Know with and Marry Me with. Um, but I feel like we all kind of went off like and have been doing our own things. And, you know, Shelley's working at Netflix. Sherwin's directing a lot of television, and I'm going to have him on the podcast as well, which is great. And David um, had moved to New York, and we just stopped writing together. And it's actually the one thing I really miss is having a collaborator. Um, This last project that I wrote took me a really long time to write, mainly because it was so big, um, and it was a really big world you know, I think there's 15 characters in the series and it it took a good like year and a half to get the script to a place where I felt like I could share it with my reps because it was so big. And I often was like, I need a collaborator. I need a collaborator. And I'd go to Adam and I'd say, Adam's my husband. I go to Adam and I'd say, um, you know, I, I, I need help. I, I, I need a writing partner. What if I went to this person? And he was like, you don't, you don't. And so in a lot of ways, like 
he's my collaborator. Yeah. But at the same time, he's, you know, working on his own projects, has his own writing partner, has, you know, his own production company. So I'm kind of like on my own and I do, I miss, I wish I had a producing partner who just want, and I look, I have tons of friends who are producers, but they're busy with their own projects and they want to help and are, you know, so generous with, with their time, um, when I ask for it, but like, I would love to have that, that partner as a producer or even a writer. I'd love to have a writing partner again. I love collaborating. You we know? should, we should start a matchmaking service for creative collaborations. Oh my God. In our free time, in our free time, let's do that. No, we should, you know, and I will say like, look, clearly this is a Series Fest podcast. And part of what we do at Series Fest is create community. And the amount of stories I hear from people of, you know, I met this other creator at the festival and now we're writing together and now we're going to shoot something together, which is amazing. Um, but for me, I've always kept my creative self and Series Fest pretty separately. So I've never thrown my hat into the ring there because I feel um, like my role in Series Fest has always been to support the other creators because that was the intention of it. And I never wanted to mix those two things up. That makes um, sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think having, I, I, I agree, having community, having those collaborators. And, and it doesn't like, I, it's true. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving out the fact that I have lots of different, I've had and have lots of different writing partners and different collaborators. So it's not like, that's true. Um, it's only, you know, Shaheen and Jonico that um, are my main bouncing boards, but I've, I, you know, have scripts and things that I'm writing, things I'm just developing with other writers. So it's a, it's definitely a, a network of collaborators. Um, but yeah, I think I, I just feel insanely lucky to have found two people who are very steadfast in their, um, support of what I'm doing and hopefully our support for each other. That's as amazing. We, as we That's amazing. Careers. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, just when I think about what our creators and a lot of the people that I speak to and directors who are really trying to break into television um, specifically, how is it that you started directing television? It's like notoriously really hard to get your first TV directing gig. And I was so lucky that um, two of the actors in my first micro budget feature, Ross Partridge and Jennifer LaFleur introduced me to Mark and Jay Duplass who were making the show for HBO called Room 104. Um, and we're looking to hire a bunch of up and coming filmmakers to direct episodes. And so I just, I, it was my first chance at a pitch meeting for mm. a TV gig. And, um, as I tend to do, like I just went in, you know, I just like really went for it. Um, mm. and, and, um, Mark and I ended up feeling like kind of like we really shared a certain kind of like dark sense of humor. Um, mm -hmm. and it was such a good experience. Mark was, and, and Jay were happy enough with my, um, first episode that they ended up give, giving me a second one, which it's was amazing. amazing. And, you know, for me, um, like room 104 is kind of like, it is not a typical TV directing experience because mm. um, they're like plays and you, the every episode is totally different, a totally new cast. So it was more like making a short film or a play or something. I had a lot more creative freedom um, than you would normally get on your first gig in TV. Mm -hmm. So it was a real treat and actually so seamless going from making 
films to making episodes of Room 104 because um, I just got to be a filmmaker, really. Um, yeah. And the only difference was, like, I had more toys than I was used to in indie film. And, you know, and that was, like, a very – that was a low-budget um, uh, TV show. I think we shot between, like – it was fast. I think you had, like, three days per episode wow. or something like that. Wow. Yeah. So – but for me, that was still – like, the – I think a, a lot of people have trouble going from film to TV because the schedules are so intense in TV. But both mm. of my films had been such insane schedules because of our, our low budgets that I had no problems making the leap to TV for that reason. Because I'm used to having no time at all <laughs> and making right. it work. Um, so that, that transition wasn't hard. When you went in for your pitch, were you prepared in a way that someone taught you how to be prepared for a television pitch or you just kind of made it up and thought like you knew what you were doing and just as you would I guess as an actor you just kind of fake it till you make it yeah I think I I think I um I made it up um I think I I maybe pulled some images and then I I had a you know just a sort of scattershot of different ideas I wanted to talk about about the script so I they they gave me the script and I prepared kind of the way I would prepare for myself if I were if I were to hire myself to direct it, you know. So I just like kind of did my prep work is the way to go. Because on the other side of the table, the person who wants to hire you wants you to love this thing as much as they love it, you know? Yeah. Like they're just looking for somebody who they can trust with to come on board and be a part of it and, and just bring them their whole selves to it. So I think leading with passion is always smart. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think, um, I didn't get agents until I believe I had already booked that gig before I actually got agents. Wow. But then once I did and I signed it, um, WME, then my agents were great at helping me get my second um, mm -hmm. show. And that one was much more my first experience of like what it's like to direct uh, an episode of television in a more sort of typical sense. Because um, mm -hmm. the show was in its second season. But oh my gosh, get this. It was such a, what a dream gig. It was a show shooting in Fiji. Oh my God, that's amazing. I know. <laughs> and Kaylee, wait, okay, hold on to your pants. I, um, I didn't even know this, but then, you know, now I'm at this point now, it's my second TV gig. I'm DGA and it's an international flight and they have to fly me business class. And I don't think I'd ever <laughs> sat in, think I'd ever sat in business class before. And I was like, what? You're just like bringing me champagne. And it was so fancy and nice. And it was just, it was like a, quite the luxurious gig to get at Fijian airlines, by the way, my God, that, it was so fancy. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, and that was a great experience. I learned so much. But I also, I think, learned something about myself on that gig, which was mm -hmm. that, like, oh, like, this is cool. I can do this. I'm totally capable of doing this. Very proud of the work I did. But this isn't actually what I really want out of why I became a filmmaker to, to you know. And I, I think um, Legion was, like, the next stepping stone towards that pilot, which was, and, mm -hmm. um, which for me... I mean, Legion was amazing because Legion was, like, just, like, visual playground, like, Noah 
Holly was basically like, yeah, I don't shoot the script. I want you to surprise me. Come at this with crazy ideas, you know? So that's amazing. What a a fun, that was an amazing process too. And, but then I, I felt more like in my own skin by the time I got to Hannah and was doing a pilot and felt like, again, like less of doing, um, being the guest artist and more like really building the world from the ground up felt more like me. You already said the piece of advice you always give to people is, you know, have community and um, have your people. But you shared with me a piece of advice a director gave you at a bar one night um, before you went to shoot Hannah. Do you remember this conversation that we had? Probably. Oh, yeah. That was a that was Tim Van Patten. And he's an amazing, super experienced pilot director. Um, and I met him through Rami uh, Malik because I think Rami was shooting Bohemian in London at the time. Mm. And I was in London and we met up for dinner. And um, yeah, I happened to sit next to Tim that night. And I was pretty new on board Hannah. And I asked him, I was like, what what advice would you give me? This is my first pilot. And and he looked at me and he said, who are your allies? And I was like, oh, everybody's really nice on the show. Everybody's an ally, you know, so far so good. And he was like, no, no, no. And he looked me straight in the eye and he was like, who are your allies? And I was like, oh, oh, okay, Tim Van Patten, I get it. Like, you, it is, you were, he was basically telling me, like, you're about to go into battle mode mm. and you need to figure out who are your true allies. And he was so right. And it was great pep talk because... At the at that very moment, I had been getting some resistance on the production designer and DP I wanted to hire, I think. Mm. And it made me fight even harder to make sure they got hired and they did. And they, you know, those are the type of people as you are going into, um, you know, when I say battle mode, it's because you're fighting for the best version of the show and you're fighting for the soul of the story all the time. And you want to find who are going to be your allies to stand by you in that fight, both in the creative sense and in the practical sense. So it was a really kind of the perfect piece of advice to to give me um, going into this. And I, I also because I was so new to the politics of working with the studio, because right. I was sort of shielded from the... Um, all the political studio mechanisms that went into getting the show greenlit and to, you know, um, all the, uh, yeah, there was always kind of, I was never the direct connection to that. And so uh, making Hannah was the first time I, I learned how to navigate all the different powers that be and, and to do so in service of making the best show. Right. So it was a hugely formative and educational experience in people skills yeah, and, and kind of understanding all the players and what they need to feel heard and um, to make sure everyone feels excited and comfortable. And, and like the most important thing I think a director does is to set the tone so that everyone feels like they're making the same movie. Mm. and feels like so they're on important. board with that vision. And I sometimes feel like, I don't know if you feel this as a director, Kaylee, but I sometimes feel like a preacher, you know? It's like I'm constantly preaching the gospel of what it is we're all going to believe in when we set out yeah. to make this project together and constantly relighting people's hearts um, and re-inspiring them to the the task at hand. Before we hop off, one last question for you. If you could have worked on any television show 
in history, what would it have been? I mean, what would you have done on it? (laughs) My answer is so stupid and dorky, but I mean, I'll just, can I just tell you the thing that popped into my head immediately, even though I don't know why, but I'm, I'm sure most people, a lot of people would have the same answer. It was like Game of Thrones, duh. And I was like, I feel like I would just want to like have been, I mean, sure. It would be amazing to direct it. But the thing that came to my mind is like, I just want to be a white walker. I just want to like, <laughs> I just want to be like one of those cool, I just want to like, or, or, you know, somehow like, I mean, I know there's a lot of CG going on, but I'm imagining there's somebody that that's probably walking around, um, in the suit in the background, a white walkery suit. I just want to like hang out. Okay. All right. Game of Thrones, White Walker from Sarah Dina Smith. That's, that's great. So good to see you. Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Um, well, I I absolutely love talking to you. I miss you. And I'm just glad we got to have this conversation. Thank you for tuning in for today's episode. Series Fest is a nonprofit organization, and our work would not be possible without our incredible board of directors, staff, and partners who make programs like this podcast possible. We have ongoing competitions, initiatives, and mentorship programs year-round, so please check us out at seriesfest.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to stay up-to-date on announcements. This episode was edited by Neil Trulio with original music by Adam Westbrook. 